Hey, Kyle. Thanks for uh, sitting down with us. Uh, you seem more happy to be here than you were on Thursday when you recorded. Uh, I'm just enjoying recording podcasts. Uh, I think a lot got blown out of proportion. Um, you know, I answered. Uh, you know, I answered. I said. I said what I wanted to say then. Nothing's changed since last Thursday, so I'm here to get better. I'm here for those reasons that I said on Thursday. Now, if a trade does not unfold, are you going to stay on this podcast? Uh, you know, haven't looked that far. Uh, I'm just here taking it one day at a time. You seem like you're having fun here, though, eh? Yeah, you know, I, I love podcasts. I love recording shows, uh, and I want to get more listeners. That's the biggest thing on my mind, and I'm trying to get better every time I pick up the mic right now. Now, is there any doubts in your mind that perhaps this podcast can get more listeners? Um, I mean, like I said, uh, I'm just taking it one day at a time, just seeing what's going on. Welcome back to the Canes Country Podcast. It's episode nine. We are one away from double digits, which is exciting. Um, we're defying the odds every week. And uh, that was a spectacular performance by Justin and Kyle leading in. So really impressive stuff. Uh, I'd like some insight into uh, how that all went down and, uh, you know, the backstory behind it. I've, I've been working on my Matt Duchesne impression for years now, knowing knowing that it would eventually come in handy like this. Yeah, and I guess, uh, you know, my first job out of college is hoping to be a Denver Post writer, so. So it all kind of comes <laughs> together. <laughs> yes, that Denver is the promised land for me. So. I can't think of a better job than covering the Colorado Avalanche right now. Yes. I can think <laughs> of two, maybe three that are better than that. The Pepsi Center is the place to be. Uh-huh. Not if you're Matthew Shane. Maybe two times a year. Maybe Maybe one or twice a year. He'd like to be there to... Remind them what they're missing out on, or will be missing out on, or maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows where Matt Duchesne will be? Rumors are dropping today that Otto is really uh, aggressive on him. That's yeah. true. That would be that would be a good spot for him. Would it be better than the Hurricanes? What could be better than the Hurricanes? <laughs> Some players that uh, came into training camp looking to to make a an impact here in preseason training camp. A few of them were cut, and uh, that was on Sunday. The first cuts came through. Five junior players were sent back down to their junior clubs. Stelio Mateos, Morgan Geeky, Hudson L. Newick, Noah Carroll, and Brandon DeJong. Jeremy Helvig also got sent back to the Kingston Frontenacs in the OHL in the middle of tonight's preseason game, which the Hurricanes did win. First round of cuts, nothing really surprising. How you guys feel about it? I mean, I think these are big losses in terms of the names you're losing i mean that literally uh these are some really good names mm -hmm. that won't be on the training camp roster anymore i mean aleniac that's a great last name uh geeky you could make a lot of puns with that same with stelio mateos great name dejong yeah uh, of course like i don't know i just feel like the the stand-up comedians of raleigh are, are the real victims here I just feel like we're uh, losing out on another opportunity to do Kane's promos. Uh, you know, our very successful segment last week, I got a grand total of zero mentions about it on Twitter. So That's how you know it's good. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, we could have used Geeky Squad. Um, I, I, I don't know, just a lot of good stuff. But, yeah, not really surprising. Yeah, we were a little too surface level with our uh, with our promotions last week. We didn't really yeah, we, need, we, we didn't dive into to the real money makers here. 
Yeah, if we want to work in hockey, we have to make sure that we we delve into the deepest parts of the organization. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a big miss misfire by us. And we are nearing the regular season slowly but surely. And uh, the Canes have two preseason games under their belt as of when we're recording on Tuesday night. The Canes just beat the Lightning two to one. Uh, they beat the Sabers on Monday night three to two. Derek Ryan scored twice in that game, including the overtime winner. The Canes, as a whole, over the past two days, have killed 16 of 17 penalties. That's a lot of penalties. And a lot of penalties are to be expected, but in this quantity, uh, Justin, does anything, you know, surprise you or, or, you know, make you worried about anything from just the the two games that have been played so far and the, the penalty count? No, I, I don't think there's anything to be alarmed about. Um, this is going to be a disciplined team moving into the season. You know, Peters is very, he frowns against uh, penalties. And, you know, I mean, they're a bunch of young guys. And I know that uh, some rules are being tested in the NHL right now during the preseason, especially on slashing. Uh, but killing 16 to 17 penalties, that you can expect moving forward. Uh, they are going to be a team that is going to be one of the better pen- penalty killers again. I think one of the things that is going to help contribute to those those penalty kills is kind of the bottom six. And I think that's what is going to try to shape out a little bit more through the rest of the preseason uh, as more cuts come along and you try to get a feel for what type of team we're actually going to be able to field this year. Personally, I'm just very surprised that the penalty kill is able to survive the loss of Jay McClement. Um, I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I, I read that he was the most important part of that unit. So. Uh, very encouraging to see them continue to have success, even though uh, their fearless leader is uh, no longer with us. I read on PittsburghPenguins.com that he was the key piece of the Canes penalty kill. Uh, and that certainly wasn't just a PR attempt to make their fans happy for when Jim Rutherford swings and misses on his attempt to find a third line center. Uh, <laughs> when they inexplicably have to ice Jay McClement in that role. That was just them being honest and telling what really happened with the Canes last year. Because nobody knows what happened with the Canes last year better than the staff writers at penguins.com that's pretty difficult to argue with and i think it's only the natural evolution of jay mcclement's career to go from fourth line liability in carolina to third line liability for the two-time defending stanley cup champions that's how it works if you're if you're not very good on a team that misses the playoffs then you get a bigger role on the defending stanley cup champs that's very normal uh, that happens all the time in the nhl well, I think that he has you to thank for that contract with the Penguins, isn't it? Right, right. No, hang on. Well, there's no contract yet. There's no contract yet. Oh, but okay. I did. Back on episode one, I did mention that I am working covertly as Jay McClellan's agent, but it's very important that we keep that quiet. I don't want that getting out there. It's just, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure right now. Hey, if he keeps, if he keeps scoring power play goals in the preseason, he'll have a contract before he knows it. But the Jay McClement-less penalty kill for the Hurricanes over the past couple of nights has been very, very impressive. Uh, even with some guys that you uh, don't really expect to uh, to be on the roster come two weeks from now, or uh, especially not on the penalty kill. Guys like Julian Gauthier even got some time tonight. Clark Bishop was on the penalty kill tonight. A lot of young guys were doing that work against the Buffalo Sabres on Monday. So even though they are taking a lot of penalties, it's promising to see that they are they're able to kill them off. Of course, you'd rather not take those penalties, but you know you gotta find something to to be positive uh, in regards to the rule crackdown, so to speak. Yeah, it seems like it seems like there's something in place in the organization, whether that's with the coaching or the player development. That I, I mean, I'm assuming it's with the coaching and the system that 
you know, this penalty kill, it's, it seems easy enough to learn for the younger guys and easy enough to replicate the success that the big club has had. And that's certainly a good thing. Obviously, uh, you know, they haven't had a whole lot of time in practices or, or anything, but there's, there must be something there that's translating, uh, that the coaching staff is getting across, uh, in the system. Obviously it's a high pressure penalty kill, uh, and not a lot of teams subscribe to that penalty killing philosophy, but, you know, if you pressure the points like the Canes like to do, you're going to force a lot of turnovers. And we saw that last night with the two-on-one shorthanded goal by uh, Josh Joris, set up by Derek Ryan. Uh, again, Derek Ryan, not a guy who's going to see penalty killing time come the regular season. But, I mean, it's good to know that, obviously, it's preseason and against lesser competition. But it's good to know that you have guys all throughout the roster, all throughout the organization that are capable of fitting into that scheme. I think it's even a big credit to Steve Smith because not only is he – done a tremendous job with the with the defense over the past few years he's also leading that penalty kill I can't imagine it's very easy to run a successful penalty kill um, especially in preseason where there's so little practice time heading into it and and a lot of guys that um, likely won't find their way on this roster come October 7th and the beauty of the the preseason is you know you're able to make tweaks and mess with the systems a little bit more than you would in regular season games because they're more valuable. But yes, the Canes will remain one of the better penalty-killing teams in the league. And uh, Bill Peters, through this these first few days of, of training camp and preseason, he's been setting Twitter on fire a little bit. Um, he said on Monday that uh, Martin Nietzsche can absolutely make the team and that he's been impressed and that he's mature beyond his years as a as a eight, 18 year old player coming over from um, from the Czech league does Martin Neches actually have a shot of making this team I would lean towards saying no um, obviously it's great to hear that Peters thinks highly of him but I think there's an extent to which he kind of would just say anyone would have a chance of making the team you know you can't really as a head coach you can't really say a player doesn't have a chance of making the team and I certainly don't think Neches has no chance of making the team but uh, with the guys in front of him, Stahl, Rask, Ryan, Kruger, I think Walmark probably a little bit ahead of him right now on the depth chart. Obviously, long term, that's not the case at all. Yeah, it's just hard to see him cracking the lineup. I mean, if he forces his way on and absolutely kills it the next few nights, great. But he, I guess his most direct competition for a spot was Derek Ryan, or is Derek Ryan. And uh, Ryan had three points on a night where Netches didn't have any, and all reports said that Netches looked pretty good, but uh, I can't imagine Peters came out of that night with the impression that Netches really grabbed a hold of that spot at all. Well, I definitely think he could make this roster, but I don't think he should. Uh, this franchise has a history of rushing players. I can name a bunch of them if you like. Most importantly, Ryan Murphy. Now, that's not making an illusion to say that he's going to be Ryan Murphy, but I think that uh, season in the Czech Republic and maybe when you bring him over back to North America, send him in Charlotte a year, just letting him perfect his game. There's no desperate need for a center right now. The center depth is pretty solid, so get, time to be patient with him. For sure. I, I take the, the comments about Nietzsche's, or Neches a, a little bit more seriously. I think to an extent you're right, Kyle. Bill Pierce is going to say that about anyone. He doesn't want players in his camp knowing that, oh, I have no chance of, uh, of, of making an impact here. But just his comments, he was really impressed by Neches. With, with how he played in, in Traverse City, he was a man amongst boys for a lot of that. 
and he apparently he's been having a good camp and according to all reports uh he played well in his first preseason game on Monday it really comes down to is he a better option in the top nine as a center than Derek Ryan and that's not to say that Derek Ryan's going to be kicked out of the lineup he can go and play the wing on the fourth line or third line wherever it may be I think that's really the main competition. So John Forslund last night in the aftermath on uh, following Monday's game, I think he had some really good points where he said, you know, it's a different league now. Um, You see young guys coming in and flying all over the ice and playing really well and not only being serviceable players, but, you know, being game-changing guys. And uh, if Netches can, you know, prove that he's ready to play and that he can play at this level and he can be an effective player, I'm more on the side of, why not? I know there's that there's a big risk there. There's a huge risk because you saw Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, Ryan Murphy, like Justin said, uh, get rushed to the NHL, and there were a lot of growing pains. Luckily for Hannafin and Lindholm, it looks like they're they've worked out of that or in, are in the process of working out of that. But you know, it's it's definitely a tough call. Uh, if if he's a guy that Bill Peters thinks that you know, can come in and be a force in the top nine, I, I think he's going to give him a spot. Now it's just up to Neches to, to finish out the preseason, and I'm sure he'll get plenty of games to, to prove that, uh, or to show his game at least. I definitely agree with your point about the league getting younger, and I, I think there's a lot of value in going young. I think sometimes the idea that prospects get rushed is a little overblown, maybe. Like like you mentioned with Hannafin and Lindholm, I mean, maybe they were there too soon, but I don't think it's going to have a meaningful impact on who they are as players in their prime. I think what, what was the problem with Murphy was, you know, his injuries in junior and especially the concussion and maybe being rushed. Yeah, I mean, I think as you were alluding to, Forsland alluding to, it's a young league now. It's, it's speed, it's skill with the puck on your stick, it's quick decision-making, it's good passing, it's good shot. And that's that's what Neches is as a player, straight up. That's that's the type of player he is. I guess when I was expressing a little skepticism about him making the roster, that wasn't necessarily from my point of view, because uh, I certainly haven't seen him enough to have a developed opinion on whether or not he's ready for the NHL right now. Uh, I guess I was just projecting what I th- would assume the team's mindset to be. Uh, and I think they're going to be a little bit on the conservative end in terms of bringing guys along uh, because of their experience or perceived experience with what's happened with Dolan Holmes and Murphy's and to a lesser extent, the Hannafins of the world. But then, you know, you have on the other end, you have your Hayden flurries where you do give them the time. And, you, you know, now three years later, you still don't know for sure what you have in a guy. So, I mean, there's something to be said both ways. At this point, it's all speculation. We kind of have to go off of, what we hear and what we, you know, what's reported, what Bill Peters and the staff, including Ron Francis, too, what they're saying. Um, another interesting thing that, that Forslund brought up, he said he talked to Ron Francis a few days ago, and he said that Netches was number four on their on their list, and they weren't the only team that had him that high. So we're, maybe we're kind of underestimating his ability to some extent, because apparently the the organization and many teams around the league seem to think that this guy was a top five draft pick caliber guy. Yeah, even though it was a weaker draft class, um, having him that high is promising. You know, I think that reasonably he fits in as a top six forward for sure. Uh, but if he has that high of a ceiling to where he could definitely be a bona fide number one guy, then I definitely think it's, you know, you need to take your time with him. If, if he turns into that number one guy 
And of course, it won't be this year, probably next year, maybe not even the year after. But if he can turn into that top guy, that answers a whole lot of questions surrounding this team and specifically this offense that is has been looking for a number one center really ever since Eric Stahl left. What would you guys place the percentage on him actually making the team? I would say 5%. 25. 25%. 25. Now, when you say 25, do you mean do you mean him sticking with the team for the full season or getting... I say 25 as in he makes the team out of camp. Okay, Beyond that, it's tough to really estimate that. I think it's zero. I don't think he makes it. Um, I think that he just doesn't fit onto this roster for this year. Uh, you have your scoring forwards in that top nine. And yes, I would class. I would even classify Derek Ryan as you know a scoring forward. But And then Kruger with that number four spot. And then I think that you know, the bottom six is just going to be filled with guys that better fit that role. And I don't think uh, Nietzsche belongs in that role. I mean, you're right. Derek Ryan is a scoring forward as he is a forward who has scored before. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you're literally correct. I think Derek Ryan's a kind of interesting situation because he played very well. It, it was a preseason game, the very first preseason game. The talk, I, I, I have higher expectations of Derek Ryan than maybe a lot of other people do uh last year was his first full year as an nhl player it was almost a full year he spent a little bit of time in charlotte and you know 30 points in 67 games won't blow anyone away but you know i think there's still room for him to to build off of that and in that Derek ryan jeff skinner chemistry was pretty impressive last year i think that caught a lot of people by surprise the way that they were able to gel together and uh especially after victor rass kind of tailed off with his game it was Derek Ryan and Jeff Skinner creating a whole lot of offense down the stretch I think you know a lot of people see Skinner playing with Ryan as a bad thing but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing because the Canes become such a more difficult team to match up against uh if Skinner's playing with Ryan because either another team is going to put their top defensive pair against the team's top scoring threat in Skinner uh which is going to leave the stall line and the rask line some easier matchups or they're going to match them against the stall line which is going to leave Skinner an easier matchup and it provides more flexibility and you know Skinner's a guy who need who needs the puck on his stick to create his own opportunities and Ryan's a guy who allows him to do that uh especially with stall stall's another guy who he's driving play by having the puck on his stick so there's not necessarily a natural fit there Skinner and Rask has worked well at times, but like I alluded to earlier, I think having Skinner with Ryan, not necessarily a bad thing. More balance throughout the lineup, uh, tougher to match up against for other teams. I mean, he scored, Skinner finished sixth in the league in goal scoring last year. So obviously whatever they were doing was working for Jeff Skinner. Um, a lot of the year he was with Rask, um, and then for a lot of the year he was also with Derek Ryan. So really, and Bill Peters has gone into camp and he's been very vocal about how much he liked Skinner with Ryan last year there the addition of talent while there's not a surefire number one line but I think there are maybe three good second lines you could argue it could even be better given that you know you have to play that matchup game yeah and alluding to Skinner uh he had a 63 point total last year I think with adding that talent like you said there's no way he couldn't get to 70 points um, but I think one thing that you also see, we, we talked earlier about the penalty kill. I think you'll see an improved power play this year, uh, which you know hasn't been the greatest strong point of this team over the past few years. But I, I definitely think you'll see an improvement. Yeah, Justin Williams was a big get 
um, beyond the locker room stuff in every interview that you hear of Justin Williams in, in the in the locker room with this team, he exudes confidence in not only his, himself but also the team. Um, he was getting a lot of questions early on about uh, it must be nice to be back in a familiar spot. This pro- that probably played a big role in it. And most of the time he said, well, yeah, that's great, but this team can win. And I think that this is a playoff team. He said that time and time again on the ice. I mean, he scored tonight in his first preseason game on the power play. on A very, very well-placed shot opposite side corner. But yeah, I think the the additions are are huge. And I think Justin Williams on and off the ice is going to be a a big factor for this team. And bringing in Williams also allows more flexibility in that top nine. Uh, you can you can roll the lines any which way you please, uh, and you're going to have, as Kyle said, a tough team to match up against. Now on to the beauty of Josh Joris. Uh, the beauty. More skilled than I had expected, quote-unquote, from Bill Peters. It was a very skillful goal he scored last night. Yeah, the, yeah, the, like... the fact that he beat Robin Lehner when he was standing up on the other side of the net was pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to talk, like, I mean, we talk about preseason, like, overreactions. That's probably the most beautiful one I've ever heard. <laughs> he had, like, a 30 course. <laughs> like, yeah, he, bad. I mean, we got to keep in mind that this guy was waived and then picked up by Arizona and still wasn't overly spectacular. But he has been playing the penalty kill in, in preseason. And according to Bill Peters, Joris is a guy that is very versatile. Um, we know that he can play all three, four positions. Um, he's a decent face-off guy. He's a really good skater. Who knows? Maybe he fits into the system better than, than we expect. But right now, it looks like he's one of those guys fighting for that, that 12th spot, maybe falls into the 13. Yeah, I think Josh Joris is definitely one of the forwards on the outside looking in. Um, I think that Francis brought him in primarily just for depth, uh, just in case that some of the younger guys um, or some of the more veterans, I guess you could say, in Nordstrom uh, didn't prove their worth. But I think they will, and I think that Juris is probably going to – you're going to see him end up on waivers. I don't think he's part of the organization by November. I really just – I'm not sold high on him. His underlying stats were terrible, terrible last year. Yeah, 10 points in 42 games with the Coyotes is nice. But, yeah, the underlying numbers tell a different story. And that's a great take by Bill Peters. Um, <laughs> but, again, another preseason overstatement. I, I think he's gone by November. Just for me, uh, I'm not sure I would hold his advanced stats from that Coyotes team against him. I definitely get where you're coming from, that, that he, he definitely won't be a huge difference maker or game breaker at all, but I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see him stick with the team for most of the year. I don't think this is another Ty Ratty or Martin Furk situation, but uh, I mean, it's also not like it's not the best move they made at all. So, I mean, I guess I'm going to come down somewhere in the middle and leave you all with a mild take there. That was a nice mild take to compete with my hot take. I, I respect it, though. I respect it. And I think it's also worth noting a little bit that this guy wasn't a waiver claim. This was a guy that they went out in free agency and they wanted. That doesn't mean that he's going to play a vital role. Um, I think I side more with Kyle that, that he can stick around. And if he's not the 12, then he can be the 13th forward. And I think there's some value in having a guy who doesn't play every night but has the speed and you know the, the penalty-killing ability and the versatility of a guy like Josh Joris. 
And we are on to our season previews. Uh, this week we are doing the Central Division. Next week we'll do the Pacific Division. And then the episode coming out on October 4th will be a full Kane-centric preview. So keep your eye out for that. But this week we are on the Central Division. Kyle, what are some teams in this division that stand out to you? And uh, who do you think tops this division? Uh, I like I like the Predators to build off the momentum they t- they generated in the postseason last year and uh, end up winning this division. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough division. It's going to be a tight division. It's kind of I think it's kind of rival the Metropolitan a little bit. Uh, you know, Chicago they lost a lot of depth, but they're still Chicago. Uh, St. Louis still very good. Winnipeg is on the rise for sure. Minnesota uh, that roster isn't too great, but any Bruce Boudreaux coach team is going to contend for a division title. Uh, so I think it's going to be a dogfight, but uh, I like the Preds. Uh, I love that defense, uh, and I like that forward group as well. I think uh, I think it's an underrated forward group, as they showed in the playoffs last year. Well, I think it's I think it's a toss-up between Nashville and Chicago. Uh, I think that definitely uh, the Preds could build off what what they you know built last year. Um, now they have a new captain at the helm, Roman Yossi, just announced today. You know, dropping some major news on the Canes Country podcast, but uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a dogfight. I think um, I think that you're gonna have two teams at the bottom that really stand out between Colorado and Winnipeg. Uh, neither of their off seasons were anything too fancy, and you know, Avalanche may be Matt Duchesneless by the time the season rolls around. We don't know, um, but I think there's definitely a lot of teams in here that that can make it, and it will stay a competitive division. Mm-hmm. See, I would take issue with that Winnipeg prediction a little bit. Oh, uh, I, I like I like the Jets this year. Uh, I think they have one of the best top lines in the league with uh, Line A, Shifley, and Wheeler, uh, and then they got guys like Perot and Ehlers and Little. The defense is okay. I like Drew a ton. I think he's gonna he's gonna be a huge for them this year. And uh, I think that move to go get Steve Mason and goal might help solidify that a little bit. They could have a decent tandem with him and Hellebuck. Gotta be honest, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the playoffs this year. Now that now that is a hot take. I, I think that's a hot take. Uh, yeah, I definitely would like to see what Line A does in year two, though. Uh, he's a very exciting player to watch. What would you say his point prediction would be? Oof, I think we could be looking at... I think we could be looking at 40 goals this year uh, wow. in the neighborhood of 65 to 70 points. Okay. Uh, I mean, Shifley, Shifley is going to be there. Wheeler is going to be at about 60 points. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Line A lead that line in points. He's certainly going to be the biggest power play producer there. There's just going to be a lot of opportunities on that line. I, I just can't imagine being a defensive pairing and going against those three guys. They're all huge. They're all complete hounds on the puck. They can all pl- distribute the puck. They can all shoot, especially Line A. Uh, I think that line might be the best in hockey. Would you say that that line A is probably the best in hockey? I'm gonna I'm gonna not respond to that. Okay, I'm that's, fair. that's that fair. At all. Good answer. Who would you take out of the mix if you're putting the Jets in the playoffs? Because Blues team that's gonna stay competitive, Preds team that's gonna stay competitive, and then I mean the Stars are back to full strength. They got Ben Bishop in net now. Uh, Tyler Sagan's back healthy. The Wild are always a competitive team. They can run four lines very well. And Chicago, I mean, it's hard to, you know, compete against their top end talent. So All right. where would are you, you sh- in? Are you sure you're ready for my answer on this one? I oh, am. Boy. I'm ready for this hot take. I, I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to be a better hockey team than the Chicago Blackhawks next year. I, I truly believe that. Uh, 
Wow. The Blackhawks. Okay, here's 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 the Blackhawks offseason. They have Corey Crawford, who's great, but they lost Scott Darling, who's their security blanket behind him. If Crawford gets hurt, they're in deep trouble because I think Anton Forsberg is the next next in line there, and he was very uninspiring at the NHL level with Columbus last year. They downgraded the skill level of their top six a lot by going from Panarin to Saad, and uh, Taves has been on a pretty sharp decline. And I think the biggest loss for them was the the move to ship Nicholas Jalmerson out to Arizona. Uh, Jalmerson's a guy who doesn't get a lot of run in the press compared to Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, but he is almost certainly a much better player than Brent Seabrook is at this point in their respective careers. Uh, and losing Jalmerson and Van Riemsdyk out of that defensive unit, I really just don't see that defense being anything special, especially with Keith declining. I mean, he's, what, 33 or 34 now? It's going to start being a downhill slope for him. Seabrook's already on that slope. And beyond that, you know, who, who do they have left? Philly Poca. <laughs> Poca could be good. Poca could yeah. be good. I just don't, I don't see it with that unit, and I don't see it with the forward depth. So, do you think they'll struggle defensively, but the offensive production will still be there? I think, I think what you're going to see is what you've seen from the Rangers. It's going to be a team that can score, that bleeds opportunities defensively, and has a good goalie propping them up. Now, I don't think Crawford is quite as good as Lundqvist, which is where I think you'll start to see the opportunity for them to miss the playoffs coming in, especially because, just because of how tough that division is. You mentioned Dallas, and I completely agree. I think Dallas... Uh, adding Radulov to their their top six is going to make them pretty lethal. And I have my questions about Ben Bishop's durability, but uh, he's certainly an upgrade over what they had in that. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I actually I didn't put too much thought into this before that we started this discussion. But I, I, I like Winnipeg this year, and I'm I'm fading the Blackhawks big time. I really don't hate that Winnipeg Jets take at all. Um, I think Winnipeg is a team that's definitely on the rise, and. Mark Shifley, I think that he's going to have a big year, too. Um, I think he might lead that line in points, and uh, Line A is going to lead that in goals, of course. I think that he can definitely reach 40. I definitely don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. It might even be likely. Um, another team that we touched on a little bit is the Dallas Stars. Um, this is a team that got a whole lot better over the offseason. Radulov was a big get. Martin Hansel in the middle of their lineup will, will be a good addition for them. Uh, they brought in Mark Mathot, who definitely won't be a, a game changer, but that's defensive depth. And uh, Ben Bishop, if he can, you know, stay healthy and put it together and be the Ben Bishop that we've seen in the past, then this is a team that could challenge for the top of the division, in my opinion. I really like the Dallas Stars um, and the moves that they made, and it's really tough to compete with Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan at the top of your lineup. So that's our, those are our general thoughts on Dallas. What about the team that took their former spot in the state of Minnesota, the Wild? Uh, I think there's a lot going on with that team, and they are the Hurricanes' first opponent on opening night. They were a great team last year. Uh, they, were, they had a great regular season. I, I'm not exactly sure if they're going to repeat it. I like their defense. Losing Scandella hurts. Eric Stahl had a real good first year in Minnesota. It'll be interesting to see if he can follow that up with another good year. Um, Miko Koivu, their captain, just got a two-year extension, $11 million total over two years. Uh, I like Devin Dubnik in that. Uh, he'll have to be pretty solid for Minnesota to be anywhere near as good as they were a year ago. But there's definitely not a lot of reason to believe that they're going to drastically fall off. 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if they reach the 100-point plateau, but I, I think they're definitely a team that's going to stay competitive. Uh, they Again, they have really good forward depth. Uh, they can roll a great top nine, and uh, Devin Dubnik and Nett doesn't hurt. You know, a few years ago you might have said that, and you might have cringed a little bit, but he he is one who definitely had a career revival in Minnesota. But losing Scandella may have hurt a little bit, but they still have a solid back end. Brodeen, Dumba. Um, Suter, he's going to be 32 years old rolling into this season. Um, I don't know if they want to roll him for 40 minutes per game like they, they have in the past, but, uh, you know, they, they, they should be stay competitive. Yeah, and then uh, another team that certainly has made some noise in previous years, at least in the regular season, uh, the St. Louis Blues. Interesting offseason for them. They brought in Braden Shen for Yori Latero, which I thought was a really good move on their part. Uh, but there's always going to be the questions with this team uh, about getting over the hump in the postseason and, you know, the goaltending. Uh, Jake Allen has been pretty decent throughout his career there, but he's always been uh, under scrutiny, I guess, uh, from the fan base and the media around there. Uh, do you guys see the Blues as a top three team in this division? I think they have a shot. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but um, I think Tarasenko is dynamic as anyone or almost anyone, and he's an incredible finisher. I think you know adding Braden Shen's interesting too because he had a good year in Philly, and he'll step into that top six and probably play a pretty significant role. Uh, of course, this is going to be their first full year without Shattenkirk, so that'll be something to watch. I think there's definitely room for them to fall, for sure. But uh, you know, the offense should still be capable of producing, just almost solely because of Vladimir Tarasenko and you know some of the the top end guys that they have. Yeah, Tarasenko is a guy who put up 70 points in the past three seasons. Um, I I think that he could easily reach 80 but again i think uh most of the offense will have to run through uh vladimir tarasenko i don't see them as a top three team in this division Uh, i just think it's that strong of a division um for me it all depends on jake allen and how well he plays i think i would have them third in the division right now uh with I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. I might actually, I, I might, I might say fourth. Brett alluded to this being their first year without Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, and the thing about that for me is it, it raises a great opportunity for Colton Pareko, uh, who is a guy that I'm, I'm a huge fan of. He's a huge right-handed defenseman, drives play very well, has an unbelievable shot from the point. He's a guy I think could blossom into one of the premier defensemen in this league given the bigger role that he'll certainly have this year. Uh, I would look for him to have a big year for them. He's a guy I like a lot. He's just fantastic, and I think a lot of people are going to see that. Top three in the Central Division. Justin, who are your top three? All right, so my top three for the Central Division will be, I'm going to take the Preds at number one. I'm going to take Chicago at number two, and I'm going to take the Dallas Stars at number three. I think the Dallas could be even higher than that um, again, but it all matters is if they can stay healthy and how well Ben Bishop plays. Uh, but the, the dynamic duo of Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben, one of the best lines in hockey, and then adding Radulov, I think that it's just going to be a really good team. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree uh, with Nashville at the top. I think it's going to be another another 
or not even really another. I think it's going to be a big year for that goal song there. Uh, I think I think the fans in Nashville are going to be liking it, loving it, and wanting a lot more of it uh, once they oh, get going gosh. this year. <laughs> I, I, I just like that team a lot. Uh, there's there's so much to like there. Uh, I think they're the best team in that division. Uh, in the second spot, I'm going to go with the Dallas Stars, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the more I think about it, the less confident I feel in that. Uh, just because I feel like this is every year for them, uh, getting all the hype in the off season and then very rarely following through on it. Uh, obviously, this year's a little different, I think, hopefully. Uh, but you know, Spezza is aging a little bit. Uh, there's there's some questions for me with that forward depth. Uh, so yeah, never mind. I'll have them third, and <laughs> and I'll put the St. Louis I'll, I'll put the St. Louis Blues second, uh, and then fourth I'll take I'll take Winnipeg, and fifth I'll take Minnesota, and I think both of those teams are grab the wild cards out west. I'm gonna say the Dallas Stars are gonna win the Central Division this year. I I just I really like the Stars. I like what they did. I think their offense is gonna be ridiculous if Ben Bishop can play, you know, like he has in the past. This is a good team. I like them. Dallas at number one. Uh, I'll take the Predators at number two. I think Nick Benino is a big get for them. Um, he'll be a big piece down the middle. Of course, Victor Arvidsson and Ryan Johansson, Roman Yossi on the blue line. That blue line is very, very good. Um, but I do think they'll finish second behind Dallas. Um, in third, I think it's going to be a race between Chicago and maybe Winnipeg. I think Chicago is going to get the third spot. I also think um, there's going to be two wildcard teams from the Central I think the Jets make it in there, and I think the St. Louis Blues also make it in there. So you have the Wild out. I have the Wild out, and I have, surprisingly, I have the Avalanche out too. I had to think about that one, but I think they're going <laughs> to miss it just narrowly. Yeah, I think also that, in my opinion, I you guys got this across, uh, I think that the Wild and the Blues will now both uh, wild card spots. But you heard it here first, folks. Kyle Morin predicted that the Chicago Blackhawks will not make the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. That is about as hot a take as you are going to get on this podcast. And that will about wrap up episode nine of the Canes Country podcast. You can follow us at Canes Country on Twitter. You can follow me, Justin Lape, at Lanky Lape. You can follow me at K underscore Morton nine. That's M-O-R-T-O-N nine. And you can follow me um, at Brett Finger, B-R-E-T-T-F-I-N-G-E-R on Twitter. Definitely go check out everything that's going on on CanesCountry.com. A bunch of season previews are going up. And uh, as we approach the regular season, there's going to be a lot of good stuff on there. Lots of good content, just like this podcast. All right. Thanks for joining us. Peace. I like it. I love it. I, I want, want some more, more of it. <laughs> Just have that as the outro. We should make a Kane's Country cover to that. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be our intro music every week. <laughs> That's our new intro song. <laughs> I love it. I want some more of it, honestly. I want, I want some more. <laughs>